I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Virus-like drug conjugates, or VDCs, are a new class of cancer therapies Aurobiosciences is developing to target a broad range of solid tumors. These therapies have a dual mechanism of action. They deliver a toxic payload to cancer cells, but also activate a secondary immune-mediated response to kill cancer cells. We spoke to Elizabeth de los Pinos, CEO of Aura Biosciences, about the company's VDCs, how they work, and its pipeline in development. Ellie, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about a new class of cancer therapies known as virus-like drug conjugates, how they work, and Aura Biosciences' efforts to develop a a pipeline of these therapies. Let's start with virus-like particles. What are these? Virus-like particles are the capsids of a virus that self-assemble without any of the genetic com- components. So you may think about it like a, an, an artificial virus or a, a, a mimic of a virus, uh, but it can't really function. It cannot replicate. Uh, but From the outside, it looks identical. The virus-like particles you're using are derived from the human papillomavirus. Is there something about this particular virus that makes it a compelling choice for solid tumors? It is. So one of the key findings uh, from the NIH, actually from one of the discoverers of this virus, was that this virus can bind to cancer cells in a unique way, and it does not normally bind normal cells. And so that's that's what makes this technology very unique, because we can use these virus-like particles derived from this virus and actually use them to deliver drugs to cancer cells. We've seen a number of new approaches that involve conjugating a targeting mechanism such as an antibody to a payload. Is this what you're doing here? Is this simply the virus acting as a targeting mechanism? Yes, it's very similar to the concept of an ADC. And uh, the uniqueness is really on two folds. One is that the virus particle can deliver much more cytotoxic payload. You think about an antibody, they're smaller, and you can usually conjugate five to seven molecules of cytotoxic payload. With these virus-like particles, we're talking about hundreds of molecules that can be conjugated without interfering with the binding or the targeting. So that's one of the the fold uh, benefits. The other is the uniqueness. How do they bind a cancer cell and not a normal cell? And that similar to an antibody, they bind a unique receptor, a unique molecule that these cancer cells have. And how 
tumor specific are the virus like particles? Do you have to design them based on the specific tumor you're targeting or do they naturally seek out any type of tumor? So uh, the NIH, they did a large screen and what they found is that the only tumors that have less binding are the hematologic malignancies. But most solid tumors, there was a very high binding and a very high specificity. You can use the same virus-like particle for each tumor you're pursuing, or you have to alter it in some way? No, you can use the same. Um, and we use then different mutations of this capsid to really prevent the cross-reactivity with pre-existing immunity. For example, if you have been infected with this virus or you have been vaccinated, we kind of like mutate the capsid, we modify it. So it's not really the natural virus. But besides that, you don't have to change it to make it more specific for one cancer or another. At the same time, you're using this as a targeting mechanism, but if I understand correctly, your virus like drug conjugates have actually a dual mode of action. Is that correct? Yes. And that's uh, something that uh, has been published this year, which we're very excited about, because as you can imagine, uh, we know that, uh, you know, using the immune system is a great tool for treating cancer. But using a cytotoxic drug is also a very good tool. Well, we combine both. We have the cytotoxic drug that's actively killing the cancer cell. And then because these virus look like a virus, these virus-like particles look like a virus, they are an adjuvant, a natural adjuvant to the immune system. And then the way we're killing the cell with the virus there is very pro-immunogenic. So there is a huge stimulation of the immune system, both by the virus being there and by the way we're killing the cell. And the activation that this has of the immune system, does it attack the tumor or is it attacking the virus? So it actually, what we've seen is that it attacks the tumor. Um, it's uh, because the way the tumor is exposed to the immune system, there are neoantigens that are being exposed and it does attack the tumor. It's a T-cell response to the tumor that we've seen is the mechanism that creates this. In conjugated therapies, the hard part is often constructing the linker. Is, is there an actual linker involved in these therapies, or are they contained within the caspid? Our initial VBC does not need a linker. It was one of the greatest things that when we chose the payload, that we can very easily do a covalent conjugation. That's a very easy chemistry between the drug and the protein of the capsid. And so there's very little uh, linker technology or none in this case um, that's uh, an added complexity for some of the ADCs as we know. Uh, before we talk about your, your pipeline, is, is there specific types of tumors that are better suited for this approach than others? Well, initially, we decided to focus on ocular cancers, but it was more as a way to demonstrate a proof of concept in the clinic for this technology, and also because it was such a high-end med medical need where patients had nothing and we thought this technology would be ideally suited. But there is not necessarily a restriction on or a, uh, an, uh, an approach that would, would be better. 
What we think is, as I'll explain how it works for the particular drug that we have now in the clinic, there is an advantage of treating early because we've seen that the immune system actually can prevent or protect you from developing metastatic disease. So for those cancers that are local, that are early, where the disease has not yet metastasized, this is an ideal approach because it can not only treat very efficiently, but it also can protect you from further recurrences. Well, let's talk about your your lead indication, which is primary carotial melanoma. What is that? That's a cancer that starts in the eye. So the eye, very simplistically, has three layers. Uh, So you look at the retina, which is the layer where all the photoreceptors are. Then it has the choroid, which is this layer of highly vascularized um, um, constituents that feed the retina. You want it kind of like under the retina. And then the, the, the basically the white layer, the sclera. So these tumors, they are choroidal because they start in the choroid under the retina. And they are cancers that are diagnosed really early. It's one of the most beautiful things of this disease is its early diagnosis because these patients that have this kind of cancer, they start having some visual symptoms. They go to the uh, ophthalmologist and they can see that they have this black pigment at the back of the eye that looks unusual. And that's where they get diagnosed with this melanoma before uh, it can be, you know, metastatic and, and kill you, it's diagnosed locally. And that's the opportunity to treat these patients. What's the prognosis for patients with this type of cancer today? Unfortunately, for these patients today, uh, while they're lucky because the disease is local, the only available treatment is radiotherapy. And radiotherapy has the, uh, the problem that will leave them with blindness of that treated eye. And so it's a very difficult decision. As you know, blindness is feared more than death for many people. And so when you are so healthy and have a local very small lesion, and they're telling you that you're going to be blinded, a lot of patients decide to wait. So we have a a large patient population of these early stage lesions that are in watchful wait. And then at a certain threshold, the only alternative is to remove the eye or treat you with radiotherapy. So that's the current prognostic. Now, despite the current treatments, and a lot of people think because we wait a little bit to treat, Um, 50% of these patients will metastasize. And then when it's a metastatic disease outside of the eye, it's a life-threatening disease, and it has unfortunately very poor survival of less than a year. And there's no way to preserve vision with the current uh, radiotherapy? Actually, radiotherapy is irreversibly damaging the retina. So if you think about it, it's not a targeted treatment. And unfortunately, because these tumors are under the retina, the only way to treat them is to put the radiotherapy right there attached to the tumor under the sclera. So not only is a very horrible surgery because they have to put a metal plaque inside of the eye, but it cannot spare the retina. And so the retina gets damaged with the radiotherapy. It's called radiation retinopathy. And that's irreversible. There's nothing you can do. So some patients will lose a little bit of of vision, but ultimately year after year, they'll become blind. So it's a very dramatic outcome. Of course, you know, when there's nothing else, um, that was like the only way to preserve the eye structure, right? Versus removing the entire eye. Uh, but that's what we think it can change. 
um, earlier diagnosis is what this field has been fighting for 30 years. Let's try to, to diagnose early and early because we all know that in cancer treatment, that's the best you can do to save lives. And now we're pairing a targeted therapy to that early stage diagnosis. Given how versatile an approach this could be for solid tumors, why start with this indication? So the, there's a, a, an incredible opportunity to, first of all, I always say it's to make a difference for patients. When there's nothing available, obviously, uh, you have an, not only, uh, you know, a, the possibility, but an obligation, I think, to make it happen. Uh, the other is the commercial opportunity is fantastic. We're talking about a, an ocular oncology franchise. Why? Because there are many indications of many cancers that start in the eye or go to the eye, and they are treated by these exact same ocular oncologists. There are only 50 in the U.S. at centers of excellence. So as you can imagine, for a therapy where it's so transformational like us, with such a focused call point and with no competition to date, it's a market opportunity that it's very difficult to find in any other uh, cancer indication where our company can really uh, uh, bring all the value for their investors until the finish line and commercialize with a sales force that we think it's very manageable, less than 20 globally. So both, as I said, as a summary, is always patients first, but then a fantastic commercial opportunity to build a company around. Uh, what is AU011 and how does it work? So AU011 is a first-in-class VDC. As we've described, it's a virus-like drug conjugate that's based on the concept of this virus derived from HPV. But then the drug that's conjugated to the uh, virus-like particle is a unique drug that it's activated with infrared light. And that's how it works so well for ocular cancers, because you're giving a very potent drug that will not only spare the retina, but really be not, not toxic for any of the eye structures. And then once you activate it with light, which is something that for this ocular oncologist is really available, these laser treatments are standard of care in these ophthalmic um, hospitals you can really activate the drug just at the tumor. And then the, the drug is activated, it's very, very potent, and then it activates the immune system. So you're treating the cancer in the eye locally, preserving vision, and then activating the immune system. So really preventing that risk that everyone has, like what if it metastasizes ultimately? Well, hopefully by treating early and treating with a drug like ours, you're not gonna have that threat anymore. And how challenging is it to manufacture compared to, say, a, a traditional biotech therapeutic? Look, these virus-like particles have been manufactured for, for a similar technology for vaccines and is done for millions of patients. So it really is not a rocket science manufacturing, much simpler than it is to develop, to manufacture a gene therapy vehicle, for example, because don't forget, these are just recombinant proteins. Um, so the conjugation, again, is a very simple chemistry with a needle linker. So it is a biologic manufacturing, but it's something that we already have the scale of manufacturing that would be uh, suitable to supply the market globally. So that's the, uh, uh, the advantage, uh, something that's not really um, difficult for us to achieve.
And what's known about the safety and efficacy of AU011 from studies to date? So we run a phase 1B2 study, the first ever study in this early stage patient population with uh, tumors in the eye that were not metastatic. And the FDA asked us, of course, three things. The first thing, man, uh, so let's look at the safety of single and multiple doses, see how well tolerated the drug is. And then um, look at as efficacy endpoints um, exploratory, because it was a phase one, we looked at the control of the tumor locally. So can you really treat these tumors and stop them from growing any further? And secondly, the visual acuity preservation. Right. We know that uh, in order to be successful, we have to have both tumor control and visual acuity preservation. So we looked at those three aspects, safety, tumor control, and visual acuity preservation. And what's the clinical path forward? So we're at a very exciting moment uh, because we have agreement on the pivotal study design, not only with FDA, but also with EMA and MHRA, as you know, the UK agency. And they've all agreed on the same study design for this um, uh, pivotal study where we're planning to um, uh, compare the patients that have that early stage tumor um, that are currently in observation, so observation patients versus treatment. And uh, we hope to demonstrate that we will be able to uh, completely and effectively control all the tumors. So it's basically an effective cure of the, of the tumor with a very high level of visual acuity preservation. So that's the, the plan. And again, uh, it's, uh, uh, it will be a global study. This is a rare disease, so approximately 70 to 90 patients. Um, and uh, we hope to demonstrate that and, and be the first to, uh, to get this drug approved. Given how oddly applicable this approach could be, how are you going about prioritizing other indications? Well, for these uh, first VDC that we've developed for eye cancers, the key is light activation. It's an incredibly potent drug that can provide the advantage of also prevention of metastasis. So we thought about what are those cancers that are also diagnosed early um, and that a treatment that would be better early on and prevent metastasis would be an absolute improvement. And we thought about bladder cancer. Bladder cancer is a very similar concept to the eye in the sense that 80% of the patients are diagnosed early where they are called non-muscle invasive. So basically a local disease where the tumor is just on that early layer of the bladder and they are non-metastatic. How similar is that to the eye? Very similar. And in this case, um, you know, the early treatment options very similar to the eye, you have to do surgery, but the surgery or the removal of the bladder is horrible for patients. So we have selected that indication. And honestly, the excitement from uh, the Urologic Oncology Society is enormous uh, because, again, we're not talking about a rare disease anymore. Unfortunately, there are many more patients that are affected with uh, early stage bladder cancer. Uh- how are you funded and, and how far will existing funding take you? Yes, uh, we're very excited because, as you know, we went public uh, in Q4 last year. Uh, we're one of the few ones that went public with solid clinical data, which we feel very excited about. Call us traditional, probably. But um, 
the uh, the funds uh, were raised to allow us to run this pivotal study. And that was very clear for us. Um, you know, the the opportunity to bring this drug into uh, closer to an approval was uh, the key value inflection. And that uh, was the purpose of the IPO. Um, so, so that's that's the answer. It will take us at least to uh, uh, to be able to have the data read out in 2024. Elizabeth Delos Pinos, CEO of Aura Biosciences. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. Yes, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.